<laughs> so uh, many people, including yourself, will have gone for a run or a cycle with me in the morning. Um, and I just find it's a great way to to talk to people and to get to know them better. And it's also just such a great parallel to your working life. You know, that they, they, you have to work hard to see results and sometimes you don't enjoy it. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Julian March, a partner at Positive Momentum, and on today's show, we meet Zilla Bing Thorne in what I'm happy to say is her first interview since stepping down as CEO of Future PLC. Zilla's CV is as formidable as she is, a qualified accountant with a master's in behavioural science. Before Future, she was CFO at Thresher Group, Fitness First and Auto Trader, where she was also interim CEO. She joined Future in 2013, and as you're about to hear, took an ailing magazine publisher on an epic transformation journey, one which I'm also proud to have been part of. Her playbook was a combination of organic growth and acquisitions. Organic growth through digital transformation, including developing a powerful revenue stream in monetizing buying advice for consumers. Acquisitions included Barcroft Studios, TI Media, and the business behind price comparison website GoCompare. Future PLC's shares hit a peak of £38 and a market cap of over $3 billion. Those are some big numbers telling an impressive business story. So let's meet the CEO, Zilla Bing Thorne. I started by asking Zilla our usual opener, why did you become a CEO? I think the honest answer is I didn't really think about it actively initially. I spent a lot of my career being very focused on becoming a CFO. Uh, and that was the pinnacle that I was uh, building towards. And then I think probably what happened was having become a CFO, what I realized was I was a little bit frustrated to keeping the score, but not actually feeling like I was part of the team and delivering it. And, and while many CFOs will argue that they play a really important part in the team, for me, I, I felt I was increasingly getting to that place where I was telling everyone what was wrong with what they were doing. And I was commenting on performance, but I didn't know that I actually, like how hard was it or how easy was it? And so I felt that I was probably becoming a frustrated CFO. I also got that feedback as well. So I got some peer peer recognition that I was a bit of a frustrated CFO. Um, so that was what probably made me begin to think about becoming a, a CEO from that perspective. Yeah. Did we just send one more question on that? So you were a CFO at Fitness First and then came to Auto Trader as CFO and spent a short stint there as interim CEO at Auto Trader. And then you did the same coming into Future as an interim CFO. Just tell us a little bit more about that because... Clearly, future is the biggest part of your story. What did you find when you got to future? Yeah, so when I joined future, I had come in as, as CFO. And um, just in terms of chronology, I was MD uh, uh, Fitness First. And then I went to Auto Trader as CFO and then did an interim job at Auto Trader as CEO. And, and I wasn't successful in the appointment to, per to the permanent role. And I was a little bit bruised. So um, I'd lost my confidence a little bit and... I got offered this job as CFO at Future, and I thought, well, I'll do that part-time, which is what I'd agreed to do three days a week, and I will uh, use that to kind of think about what I want to do next. Unfortunately, or fortunately, as history will decide, um, it turned out that Future was in a much, much worse place than I'd anticipated. Uh, 
pretty much going bankrupt at that point. I couldn't couldn't make the payroll. And the board asked me if I would step up to CEO, um, largely because I think they thought it was going to be a financial engineering workout. So not necessarily a kind of growth CEO would be needed. It would be someone who could kind of, you know, guard the breakup. So I went from being three days a week part-time as CFO to full-time CEO uh, within 10 weeks of joining the company. So it was quite it was quite a surprise because it wasn't what I was expecting, it wasn't what I was prepared for. And if I'm really honest, as a consequence, I didn't really think I was staying. I, I, I went into it with the frame of mind of, I'm just doing this for two years because I'm here to sort out the finances, break up the company, give the shareholders back their money. Um, and, you know, 10 years later, I was still just staying for a couple of years, if that makes sense. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well, we'll dig into that a little bit later. And um, what a 10 years it was. Um, so, well, look, one thing I know from working uh, with you is that one thing you're not short of is energy. Uh, you pack so much into your days. Uh, so what is it in your day that you keep sacrosanct? Uh, so the thing that I think is really important for me is sport. And if I don't manage to do sport five days a week, I can feel I start to get my worst self. And so what I try to do is start every day with some sport before I before I leave the house or go outside for a run. Um, and if I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't happen either. So I know myself well enough that uh, best of intentions never happen in the evening. So that's the thing that I, I really keep sacrosanct. Yeah. And I think also we've participated in sport at the management team level as well. A few, <laughs> a few experiences. Yeah, I, I try to get everyone to share my passion so that then actually, even though I can still be doing sport, I can be working at the same time. <laughs> so uh, many people, including yourself, will have gone for a run or a cycle with me in the morning. Um, and I just find it's a great way to to talk to people and to get to know them better. Um, and it's also just such a great parallel to your working life. You know, that you have to work hard to see results and sometimes you don't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, memories abound from ergs in uh, in a gym in Bath where we had to uh, pull for two miles and uh, and also doing the three peaks together. Three peaks. I know, yeah, that was absolutely. fabulous. Goodness gracious. Right, so let's move on to challenging encounters apart from rowing machines and UK mountains. You no doubt will have experienced many in your career. So here we go. Uh, what's been the most challenging time for you as CEO and what did you learn from it? I think it's really hard to pick one thing, if I'm really honest. So there's, there's probably two. And the first one was those early days. You felt this huge responsibility to the stakeholders of the organization. We didn't make enough money to pay the bills. Trying to make sure that you were responding to all the stakeholders' needs and that you were making sure you were doing the right thing for the shareholders, but also the staff, doing the right things for the bank, but also... For example, when we had our head office, the, the, the businesses around us in that community who relied on us to support them. So that was, was incredibly difficult. And I think the thing I learned from that was in a situation where things are really bad, you should not be afraid to take risks. You know, the, the worst thing that I could have imagined at that point had happened to us. And therefore, let's be unafraid to try something completely different. I also think it's really important at times like that to challenge your assumptions, to be unafraid about, you know, we tried this before it didn't work that doesn't mean it won't work again and so don't kind of think it didn't work before therefore you know there's no there's no alternative option the other thing then that i think would be difficult to talk about being a ceo was like talking about the last few years and the period of the pandemic which was also incredibly challenging for again for lots of reasons and it's a horrible expression but our business ended up being a 
ended up being a COVID beneficiary in terms of, you know, everyone was online and we were, we were fortunate that our business model allowed us to participate in that. But that period of being a CEO, having the responsibility for, again, for the organization, but also for your family and being at home and recognizing suddenly that, that, that dual responsibility you have both to your organization, but also to those whom you are closest to, I found very conflicting and I found it very hard to be present in both environments um, during that period. So that was probably a really hard time. And what I think what I learned from that was back to that point about keeping things sacrosanct, you do actually have to take care of yourself and you do have to be a little bit selfish. And when I was not doing that, I could see that I was burning out. And there were a couple of weekends, I remember early on in the pandemic, where I thought, I'm not going to make it if I don't start to actually give myself some time out. Yep, yep, we've all been there. Yep. Uh, who's influenced you the most in your CEO career? So who would you, you credit as your guiding light or or luminaries? Who do you turn to for advice when when those times get really difficult? Yeah, it's really good. Um, so I think in terms of inf influences, maybe slightly different from advice. I really like to see how other CEOs operate. And I, I have always, for the last 15 years, had a, had non-executive jobs as well as executive jobs. And I've certainly been very influenced by watching the other CEOs that I've worked with. I, I've had the fortune to work with some brilliant CEOs, and but also watch some brilliant CEOs be brilliant. And then sometimes we can overbelieve our brilliance, you know, and so be, be really conscious of the hallmarks that we need to think about in that. Mm -hmm. And then people don't speak truth very often to CEOs. And so recognizing that, you know, we don't bring enough humility to the conversation that actually we want to think about, um, you know, when we're wrong, watching CEOs who get overly arrogant has been a really important influence on me. So I've been very conscious about what sort of CEO do I want to be and how do I want to make sure that it doesn't become power gone mad, which I think occasionally we might all have seen in some CEOs. In terms of uh, advice, I actually still talk to my dad a lot. Um, I'm very fortunate he's still alive and I really admire and appreciate his counsel on a lot of stuff. And so I find that sometimes I'll, I'll talk to him. Um, I'm lucky that I can talk to my husband about things as well. And then I've worked with a, a whole group of people on and off for 20 years. And so when you work with people for a long time, you find that you are able to pick up the phone to them and say, hey how what do you think i should do here and they know you well enough to be able to also you know play back whether or not you might be the right person to, to do that thing so so i i don't think i have just one person um but i do think that the, the relationships built up over periods of time are really helpful in people who actually can give you advice that you trust yeah absolutely all right let's talk about teams what is the secret to you for an effective executive team well it's clearly uh, going up the three peaks and doing sport together um but aside from having a team that's prepared to do sport with you i think the most important thing for an effective executive team is trust i think if teams don't trust each other then it's very hard to be a team you know you, you to to use the sporting analogy you see it all all the time with successful sporting teams where they they know that the other person is going to be where they need them to be in the pitch and they don't have to think about it and so I think that if you take that into business, 
knowing that someone's always got your back, knowing that everyone's trying to achieve the same outcome, then means that you go back into the earlier point, you can take risks and not be afraid about how that might look for you within that team. Uh, it also means that you can speak honestly to each other about you know, your views on things and, and encourage the debate because again, no one's gonna judge you. So I think really the really important thing is to build trust. Yeah, all right. So, okay, moving on from that then, what's more important, the right strategy or the right team? Oh, that's a really good point. Um, so I remember someone saying to me once a long time ago when I first joined Future, um, and I, the CFO who I'd worked with before, the auto trader who, who was fantastic, and myself went to meet them and said, well, you two are brilliant, but you've got a rubbish business. And it was kind of like, you know, therefore, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're in the wrong business, therefore, you're not going to be successful. And when I reflect on that, I think, well, um, probably therefore then I think, for me, team does trump all because in the end it wasn't, it was a fantastic business and we did achieve what many people thought wouldn't have. And so I think in the end, if you have a group of people who just have a desire to be successful, you will find a way to find a strategy that lets, it, lets you execute on that. And I think you see that sometimes, in, again, in sporting teams where the underdog wins because the desire is greater. But a, a strategy would be a very close second because I do think you need to know what, what success looks like. How do you win if you don't know what game you're playing? Yeah, interesting, interesting. So, all right, let's 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 talk about the future. So, so you've this is future with a small f. You, you've recently been announced as the chair of MNC Saatchi. You're you're chair at Trustpilot. You've got another board seat. What are the biggest challenges ahead? Are you going to be a CEO again? You just said um, earlier you wanted to to, to work out the, the CEO you want to be. Is that done? What's next? Yeah, so I have a great philosophy in life, which is you should never, ever say never because it keeps coming back and biting me on the hand. So I'm definitely not saying never. I think at this moment in time for me, I just needed a break, a break from being a CEO. Uh, the last, uh, I think the last three years were particularly tiring. Um, and future, I was there for 10 years. It was a hugely successful 10 years, but it took, took you know, all of my energy for that period. Um I definitely am not retiring from being a business person and very much still want to play an active role in business. And so the big challenge for me ahead is transitioning um, and transitioning into where do I feel I can add value and contribute without overstepping the mark. So I've got two businesses, as you said, that I'm chairing. I've got a couple of private companies I'm helping with. I really like to find the right um, charitable venture, but I think that has to be something which feels very true as well. So they've got to want me and I've got to want them. And so that, that takes a little bit more time. And so I'm kind of just mapping it out just now. And I think, I suspect if you come back and ask me in a year's time, the answer would be different. But And so the biggest challenge just now is dealing with that uncertainty, which is not where I like to normally be. <laughs> Yeah, well, we know. Yes, yeah, that's that's brilliant. Excellent. Well, listen, there there are lots of lots of different people listening to our Meet the CEO podcast. There are aspiring CEOs. There are CEOs in existence, learning from other CEOs, like like you say. And there are others who just like to just observe what it's what is like inside the heads of these people in that top seat. But for those who might like to become a CEO, what three pieces of advice might you have for them? So the first thing I think is you can only be yourself as a CEO. So don't try and imitate someone else and don't feel that you as an individual can't show up, you, you know, in, in that way. So I think authenticity is really important. Having said that, however, if you are going to be the CEO of any sort of medium to large sized organization, 
to recognize the ability to speak to different audiences and communities is really important. And so the, the be your authentic self, but recognize you have to flex your style would be the kind of first thing. Um, I certainly, we said at the start of this call about, you know, did a job where I wasn't appointed CEO and I went through this kind of period of thinking, was that me? Will I never be a CEO? And then what I realized was it was just not the right organization for me. And, and that was a real light bulb, which was, I can be a CEO, but I have to find somewhere where I can be my true self as a CEO. And so that would be my, my first proper piece of advice. I think the second thing is that um, resilience is such an important part of being a CEO and, and you have to be self-resilient because everyone will look for you to set the beat. And, and Julian, I remember a story you and I talked about, about how I, I look very fierce all the time and I'm always concentrating. Um, and so while I'm not necessarily thinking bad thoughts, if you look at my, my concentrating face, it can look a little bit a little bit pissed off. And, and that's a really good example of where people look at you and think you're in a bad mood and you set their tone and you don't realize that influence that you're having on them. And so really recognizing that the, the ability and the resilience to manage your own emotions and be what people need you to be for them because you are their leader. And while you can have a collaborative organization, at the end of the day, there is only one CEO and people do look for you to set that tone. So, so that's a an under misunderstood, I think, often by many people, part of the uh, the the being a CEO role in, from that perspective. And then the third thing is, is I think it's really important to understand why you want to be a CEO, and to be really clear that you know if you're being a CEO, you're kind of you're orchestrating the brand, you're not doing the job. And I think lots of people go into the role trying to do their old job in that role rather than recognizing the need to orchestrate uh, the team and so it's worth having been really thoughtful around it what is it that you're actually wanting when you say that you want to be a CEO yeah brilliant okay amazing three big big pieces of advice there be your own CEO understand how people see you and, and really understand what it is that why you want to be the CEO fantastic Zilla listen it's been an absolute pleasure to talk again uh, some amazing bits of advice in there some fascinating insights for uh, present and aspirant CEOs so thank you so much for joining us on meet the CEO in my pleasure thank you very much Wow, there was a lot in that conversation. Some familiar themes now in the Meet the CEO series, the importance of looking after yourself with rest and exercise, the power of teams, and learning to deal with uncertainty. But here are the three takeaways I want to pull out. This is the story of a comeback after a knockback. You heard Zilla be incredibly open about how not getting the permanent CEO position at Autotrader dented her confidence. We've all been there, and Zilla is the living embodiment of that resilience we need to bounce back, and a spectacular example of the success you can reap when you do. In Zilla's analysis, Autotrader wasn't the place for her authentic self. If you are to be a CEO, make sure you can be your own true version of one. However, Zilla is also acutely aware of how the person in the top job, whether they like it or not, sets the tone for the rest of the organization. So she's developed that balance of authenticity and self-awareness. Trust in your top team to speak the truth when it matters and the sideways inquiry at her CEO peers to keep arrogance at bay are two ingredients critical to that balance. And finally, while we heard some great inspiration to have the bravery to take risks in a particularly bad situation, 
there was also a refreshing challenge to we've already tried that syndrome. Zilla implores us not to be afraid to try the same thing again because there are likely very valid reasons why it didn't work the first time, which you can change to secure a different outcome. That's it for this edition. There's plenty more in the series with equally inspiring humans, and there'll be plenty more to come. So why not subscribe if you haven't already? And don't be afraid to tell everyone else what you think of our endeavours with a rating. I hope it won't be too long before you join us again as we meet another CEO. Bye for now.